is Antisocial. Good afternoon. I'm Tony Winton. Wow, and I'm Tom Moslem. So, Tony, you're telling me that we just hacked into a radio station? We could be hacking. I believe what we're trying to do is actually broadcast live on WSQF-FM in Key Biscayne. Okay. Key Biscayne. I love it. It's, uh, how are they... How are the fine residents of Key Biscayne going to react when they find out that we've hacked into their local radio station? You know, it's hard to tell in Key Biscayne, particularly on a hot afternoon on a weekend in July, or June, July, you know, I, I, they might be passed out already. <laughs> okay, let's run a little experiment while we do this. Um, one, I'm assuming that it's a low-powered radio station and there are no ratings to be available, right? We, we don't know who's listening or how many on any at any moment. You never know who's listening. Um, it is a community radio station most people don't know that low power fms exist if they do they drive around they hear a station in between two other stations i don't know what it is but it's actually a great technology and we're hoping to do shows like this one and, and to, let people know we're here to, to hack into it on a regular basis yes, and, and hack as often as we can <laughs> All right, so if you happen to be listening right now, my name is Tom Mosloom. I tweet at the handle at Mosloom, M-O-Z-L-O-O-M. Do me a favor. Hit me with a uh, a DM or tweet openly and include me, and uh, I'd like to see uh, if anybody is out there, or if we're just screaming into an empty box. Tony, you tweet at where? At uh, What's your handle? Very simple. It's at Tony Winton. Very boring. T-O-N-Y-W-I. I-N-T-O-N. Nothing clever going on here. Uh, and that's sort of the uh, that's sort of the point that we're trying to make here is that a lot of the conversations that are being hab- that, that are that people are having right now about important topics are happening over social media, which is of course the least effective way to have good conversation. I would say it's anti-conversation, which kind of fits the name of our show. Oh, I thought the show was named after me, antisocial. I thought that <laughs> No? All right. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it, Tony. Um, The first question that I think we have to answer for anybody who might be listening is, who are we and what makes us qualified to have this conversation? So uh, do you want to introduce yourself or do you want me to introduce you and you introduce me? How do you want to do that? I'll just... I'll just start in and talk about myself for just a second. My name's Tony Winton. I am a journalist. I worked uh, for a number of organizations, mostly the Associated Press, for about 30 years. Um, I was editor in Key Biscayne for a while of Key News. Um, and I have uh, worked in both uh, radio, I've done some print, and some television. Um, my interest uh, is love, though, is radio. I love the ability for radio to connect in an intimate way. It does it in a way that other forms of communication don't. So I hope your listeners that are people who are listening now will stick around and check us out. I think it's important to state that Tony is a guy who is a serious journalist, a person who is deeply connected to facts and truth and stories that are not embellished or spun in any way which is opposite of me because my name is Tom Moslum. I own an advertising agency, a branding agency here in town called the M Network. Uh, We're the good guy agency, but I spent a good 20 years of my life in media. Uh, Particularly after my reporting career, I moved into marketing and public relations and crisis management. Uh, And so uh, while connected to news and facts, I'm connected to it in a very different way. I'm connected to these stories in ways that 
uh, news industries make them appealing to viewers and listeners and readers so that they can drive ratings so that they could sell advertising. Um, the folks in the newsroom have always believed that their organization does news. That is the core thing that their news that the a news, news organization does. On the other side of the wall, we believe that nothing actually matters except for the commercial. <laughs> All of that time that's spent is merely to drive an audience to see a commercial because, well, that has traditionally been the revenue model of news organizations, and it is also why news organizations are in trouble today because that revenue model right. is folding because you people are getting most of your news on social media. Well, yes, but you know what the solution to that is product placement. <laughs> This is the news. This is the news, and I'm reading it to you on a MacBook Air. <laughs> MacBook Airs. But, um, Overpriced, but that, they're that, lightweight. This, this blog brought to you by Perrier. <laughs> <laughs> Thirst quenching for the podcaster. All right. Um, so let's get into sort of the purpose of the show. The, the, we want to talk about some of the things that we saw on social media that irked us or that amused us and sort of get into a much deeper conversation about it. I could tell you the, the post that caught my attention. I actually replied to it. Uh, and then uh, a maelstrom hit me because people either gave me amens or they said, uh, you're an idiot Muslim, which, you know... <laughs> I imagine both parties are right. Um, let me tell you, though, let, let, let me rewind before I get into it. I use social media a little bit differently than most people. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, Twitter is filled with lots of angry people uh, who have very, very uh, hard opinions about every single thing. So I like to use Twitter to troll them. <laughs> it's merely to throw points out. Instagram and Facebook, my target audience for my Instagram and Facebook accounts is me. It's just solely to amuse me. So in that way it's, uh, it's, it's digital masturbation. I'm just there to pleasure myself and I don't care what you think of it. So if you want to get into a conversation, Twitter is the best way. So I saw Sean King tweet. Now if you don't know Sean King, he's a writer, he's an activist, he's the founder of uh, the Real Justice Pack. Um, he posts at at Sean King, S-H-A-U-N-K-I-N-G, all one word. And he wrote, yes, I think the statues of the white European they claim is Jesus should also come down. They are a form of white supremacy, always have been. In the Bible, when the family of Jesus wanted to hide and blend in, guess where they went? Egypt, not Denmark, tear them down. Um, now I saw this and I sort of giggled and my point, what I replied to that was, uh, I want to make sure we're talking about the right thing. You want to argue about the color of the graven image, not idolatry. And I suspect that if we address idolatry in general, we will get rid of white supremacists <laughs> altogether. Well, this, you know, obviously a lot of people said amen and probably many more said that 
they hate my guts and I should go away. Um, so there you go, Tony. That's my opening remarks, and the that's the tweet that got me started today. Right. Well, I guess the, <clears throat> the larger question is what would the you said the reaction was about was would would you say it was evenly mixed or did it lap? You know, Twitter is not. No, no, no. Twitter is a place where angry people go. Uh, <laughs> So the majority of people who would respond are already angry about something, and now they could just be angry with me. But I did get a fair amount of amens. Right. Well, that's, to me, part of the issue, right, is ant- is this program, Antisocial. We're looking at uh, arguments that people have not just on Twitter but on Facebook and uh, the other platforms as well. We'll be talking a little bit later about some a Key Biscayne issue on uh, the favorite uh, platform in Key Biscayne, which is WhatsApp. Uh, if you don't know anything about Key Biscayne, Everybody lives on WhatsApp. It's a series of chats. And before anything actually has happened, sometimes you'll have a WhatsApp chat about it beforehand. So just the entire nature of reality, in my mind, is is altered by the fact that things seem to happen in WhatsApp before they actually happen in real life. Um, things People react to things before they happen. It's like it's like the dress rehearsal. It's a dress rehearsal for how you're really going to react. You test float it. You see if anybody catches on. And if everybody else is angry, you hit it, and now you could be angry, too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and and I would also point out that, and, and one thing that's, that Tom and I are both very uh, uh, fond of is trying to find some logic somewhere in an argument you know an argument has a premise that's right and then it has some facts and then it has some reasoning and then a conclusion and unfortunately not just in not just in uh, whatsapp but in twitter uh, we seem to have lost the basic art of understanding what these things are premises and arguments and facts well <laughs> Facts is a whole other topic, <laughs> but if you can't if you can't put these together in a thread, the idea of trying to do anything that's meaningful is basically, I think, an impossible. And it eliminates any possibility of reaching a middle ground. It eliminates any possibility of you saying something that I disagree with, and then we talk it through and we find, oh wait, you know, you've shifted your opinion through the conversation. I've shifted my opinion through the conversation. It's just post and post after another, and you're wrong and I'm right. No, you're wrong and I'm right. And it's two five-year-olds going, no, you, no, you, no, you, no, you. And it gets ridiculous. So uh, I think that the idea of, uh, of Sean King's, the, the core of Sean King's post, mm-hmm. is critically important. And we should actually have a conversation about that. Well, yeah, about the nature of this whole debate. I mean, it's really touching on the larger debate of the statues in general, that, that, that they're primarily Confederate statues that are being removed sometimes uh, properly through official channels and by official government action, and sometimes not. And so it's touched off this. And so does it, is it appropriate to bring this somewhat religious aspect or theological aspect into this debate versus the entire debate of whether or not we want to debate statues? Well, let's start with the angry mobs tearing down statues. Okay, angry mobs tearing down statues. That seems to me to war against democracy. That's just sort of the loudest, strongest, and most opportunistic wins without actually having a discussion. So let's start there. I think you and I could, I think you and I are on the same page on that. I mean, it's fine to go out and protest. It's fine to go out and let your voice be heard. But when you start looting and destroying and tearing down statues, you've probably crossed a line. And you don't know how that is is going to be 
<laughs> in some cases, uh, the statues that have been taken down are actually statues that uh, of people or individuals who are uh, perhaps the protesters don't know their history about why they're tearing down a statue. <laughs> Ulysses S. Grant in San Francisco. Exactly. Tearing down a statue of Ulysses S. Grant to protest um, racism uh, yeah. against the individual who basically defeated the South is kind of strange. Yes, also a, a man, he had a, uh, he, he was given a slave as a gift. It was the only slave Ulysses S. Grant ever owned. And uh, what he did is he freed the man. <laughs> that, that, that was his response. He not only defeated the South, but at, when he became president, he enacted laws and executive orders where he literally went to war with the KKK, trying to eradicate the KKK from the South. So he, of the folks that we're talking about today, he's probably one that deserves a statue, no? And I would argue some of the other people who have had their statues turned down as well. So the idea of doing a mob, not for the very simple for yes, it's it's anti-democratic, it's dangerous, it's not really advancing your cause very much. And if you don't think it through, it makes you look foolish. But there's some people. <laughs> there's some. But you, there's some people who have statues now that maybe times have shifted and they don't deserve a statue, or maybe the the social norms have passed by and we and we would rather honor somebody else or not honor that particular person but there are other people like you know I wrote an article not too long ago that stated uh, the, the the point was that human beings are significantly more three-dimensional than their statues and I was talking about Robert E. Lee in particular and my point wasn't that Robert E. Lee deserves a statue my point was that it would be compelling to read some of Robert E. Lee's writings on slavery this is a guy who called it America's great sin the great evil felt it should be eradicated but didn't believe that uh, that going that th th that the th the way the union was going at that moment was the way to eradicate it. He was a states' rights guy. Does he deserve a statue? Maybe not, but he deserves a conversation about it. Well, let me just come from a somewhat different perspective. Stat, what is the purpose of a statue, right? What, what, why is it there? And so there's there's more than one purpose. Uh, one purpose is, in the case of the ones of Robert E. Lee, the ones, the famous ones, uh, it's there as a, a place of honor. It's not just that a statue was created. It's occupying a large and important public space that was designed often at, at no, taxpayer expense. So the question to me in my uh, question to me is not just should there be a statue, it's where does the statue go? And I there's a difference between giving a, an individual with General Lee's history um, and uh, in the view of many being a traitor to the United States, uh, giving that person a, a place of honor in 2020, it's well, this perhaps is the, the, I, let me put it this way, it's the right of every society and every community to decide what it's going to do with its public spaces, whether it's a park, whether it's a statue, whether it's a beach, they get to decide whether there's lawn chairs or not lawn chairs, whether it's an environmental area or a public recreation area, whether we have statues, that's a de decision, as we just said, that should be democratic. So if a community has come to the conclusion that it's time to take down these generals from the, from, from the Confederacy, that's perfectly appropriate. Well, I mean, the, the broader point, I, I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey. I'm a Northeasterner. I'm the prototypical Yankee, right? When I moved to Richmond, Virginia, the first thing that I was shown was monument 
Avenue, Monument Boulevard, all these monuments to Confederate war generals. And, you know, they, they're all meaningful. And if they are on their horse, it means they died in battle. And if they're facing south, it means that they retired and had a good life. And, you know, in between, there's cannons and all the guns face north because the south will rise again. And this confused the bejesus out of me because... I, my whole life, I thought we won the war as a Yankee. Like, why are there? What nation builds statues, erects monuments to the losers? I don't know. And, and for our radio audience, Tom is in fact wearing a New York Yankees cap. Right? That's correct. Yes. Yankee, a prototypical, stereotypical Yankee from New Jersey. That would be me. Um, but I mean, right? I mean, what what nation says we just defeated that army? Let's fly their flag. That was confusing to me, so I, I it never registered. Uh, and I know that there are there are there are Southerners. Uh, I'm related to some of them through marriage, who would argue against this and who believe that that's heritage and that it was a form of bravery and it was states. Right? I mean, you know, you go to you know my farm in Tennessee, you'll hear people talk about it as the War of Northern Aggression or the War of States Rights. But how is that possible? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, but but the historical document, historical record is pretty clear. There are written documents when these states decided to secede, and the reason they decided to secede in writing is to preserve slavery. Not about northern aggression. It was about ke- keeping the institution of oppressing other human beings going. Well, yes. How is that possible? <clears throat> and perhaps this conflict uh, that uh, that you know is now more than a hundred years old is po- finally actually ending in a way it perhaps should have ended with not lionizing individuals who were in a rebellion against the country for a racist cause, but in fact coming to the national conclusion that this was always wrong, was wrong when it started, and is now being declared wrong. Was wrong before it started. Exactly. It was wrong along, but this goes back to a different, this goes back to the statues, right? cultural norms, morals shift over time. We tend to have sort of this generational superiority complex as if our morals are significantly better than the morals of the past. Now, by no means am I trying to make an equivalency that you know somehow slavery was okay. It's, it's not okay. It's never okay. But there are other people who might have statues erected to them that we view as, well, what did they do? They're not worthy of a statue. They were actually a horrible human being. Where does the, who deserves a statue and who doesn't end. Where is that bar? Do you think it's something that communities need to decide on a regular basis? Are we are we term limiting statues? We will erect a statue and then why not? And then get back to vote on it in at least in the public square, right? Well, again, the public square is a place of honor. So why 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 is it a decision that was made by one place in time, by one community in time, which, by the way, I will point out excluded in the case of the Confederacy and after the, after the Confederacy excluded still a large percentage of the population. No one asked them whether it was a good idea to put General Lee in the center square. That Their opinion wasn't even sought. So to the extent that you're say, saying it's a decision of another society, I guess my point would be that it was a decision of a part of a society. So, but where does that leave us with places? Here in Florida, right? Okay, Henry Flagler is a big deal. But Henry Flagler built his railroad mostly using. Well, 
yes, it was slave labor. Let's just call it that. It was actually uh, convict leasing and, uh, and something called debt peonage. This was a way for, you know, Reconstruction South to continue slavery. Essentially, it encouraged, <laughs> hey, learn your history lesson, everybody. Let's talk about police violence now. It encouraged the police to arrest blacks because once they were arrested, now they become prisoners and we could lease those prisoners back to the same plantations they came back from. This is how Henry Flagler built his railroad. Mm -hmm. Should we be tearing down Henry Flagler statues? Should we be renaming Flagler's Boulevard, Flagler streets all over South Florida? Why not? It's worth a conversation. Yeah. Should we go out right now and start tearing down the street signs? Probably not. I think that would be wrong. But we should have a conversation about this. Well, no? but, but in, in here in South Florida, that's already happened with US-1, Dixie Highway. That's been renamed. Right. Franklin Pierce, 14th president of the United States. That guy, he signed the Fugitive Slave Act, saying that if a slave escapes from the South and is found up North, you could capture him and send him back to his plantation. Uh should we have? Should we be removing the Franklin Pierce statues from? I think he was from New Hampshire, right? Isn't that? He was a. He was a Northern Democrat. Well, and uh, you have, if you want to go further back, you can look at the, the discussions about uh, George Washington, uh, by uh, Thomas Jefferson, even more does, famous. Does right? that go too far, though? Are these guys operating in a time where the type of slavery, while wrong, wasn't viewed as wrong then, was culturally normative? And I'm not saying it's right, but I mean, you're operating within a certain culture. You're, f you're following the rules of that particular society at that time. How, I, far, I, how far I, back do we go to judge? I, I, I guess my answer is that's not an immunity. Okay. It's not. Well, that brings us all the way back. Let's go all the way back. Let's go far, far back, right? Let's go to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Colosseum in Rome. <laughs> sure. But following your logic, there would never be a statue of Augustus Caesar. Well, I didn't say it's not about the statue not existing. It's about where the statue is. Content. I, 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 I am completely okay with the statue being in a museum. If you have a museum of Confederate statues, we could call it the American Racist Museum. You <laughs> could all of them there. But the, point well, wait, is, wait, wait, wait. the point is, the point is, they are in context. They are in context with history and truth. Let me not it. in a public square that says, wow, look at this great person. But let me take it a step further. Maybe there's nothing wrong with the statues in the public square. Maybe the statues are fine. It's the plaques that need to change. We just need to change what they say. Okay, you need a plaque the size of a billboard, <laughs> preferably LED illuminated, the ones that are so bright you can see it in the middle of the blinding sun and maybe an animation with a sign that says this is a picture of a losing loser racist <laughs> this is with an arrow stonewall an animated arrow this is a statue of stonewall jackson he's a racist and a loser that's a very small sign it's <laughs> I and my point is, there are plenty of people. If you want to, if you want to talk about that period in time, uh, who were great. I, I always think about George Henry Thomas. George Henry Thomas, um, a general uh, who was born in the South. His he had to make a decision uh, when the Civil War happened. He decided to stay loyal to the Union. His family disowned him. He went on to great military success. He was the the Rock of Chickamauga, um, and his Southern family completely disowned him. Today. Probably best known in Washington, D.C., go to Thomas Circle sure. and see a statue. Why aren't we celebrating generals like that? Andrew Johnson. You know, he, East Tennessee. 
He stayed in the Senate while his state seceded. Now, half, most of East Tennessee was loyal to the Union, but the state seceded. He kept his Senate seat and went on to become Lincoln's vice president and, uh, and, and was the president after Lincoln was assassinated. I mean, yes, these individual cases are, are important, but did Andrew Johnson own slaves? Yes, he actually did. He freed them upon realization when he, when he came to those conclusions. Uh, but no, I, I think we I think we've uh, I think we've come to a, an equitable solution. A statue in a museum, fair game, right? Like sort of like a portrait, right? I think that that is actually when you're talking about history and you hear the arguments from so many people while you're destroying history, I'm not in favor of that. I think it's imperative that younger generations learn their history and say, yeah, can you believe this happened, that at one point in this society, this statue of this person who was enslaving other human beings was actually thought to be a good thing in a public square? Wow, crazy, right? Good thing we don't do that today. We've learned our lesson, kids. That's what I, uh, a museum is for. All right, so where does that leave us with Sean King and White Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, not only am I Yankee, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Lebanese and Italian. Um, you, when Jesus' family went to Egypt to blend in, I know what they look like. I have a family portrait. <laughs> um, you know, but my point on that was, you know, uh, central to Christian tenant is like, you know, what is it? Is it commandment number two? Don't make a graven image. Yeah. Like, we're talking about idolatry. If we... And, and we're talking about literal and figurative idolatry. If what we're focusing on in this debate is the color of the statue, that's the wrong thing. We need to be focused on the idolatry of race altogether. And why is, why is there a statue in the first place? Oh, well, I, well that, I, that, I, that, I, I get into a theological now. discussion. I'm a Presbyterian. <laughs> I'm Reformed. You know that. We don't have, we don't, we don't have crucifixes. Our cross right. is empty. There's no smells and bells in our church. You know, it's all that. But that's a different that's a different part. It's a different show. The next time we hack this radio station, we can talk about that. Um, but seriously, I think if we're talking about the color of the statue, I think that's the wrong conversation. I think we have to address the, the idol of race. And if we do that, then as a society, we'll eliminate white supremacists and racism of all sorts, no? I think you have to look at the the experience of history and the ongoing pain it's causing to so many people and recognizing that this is an opportunity to try and as a society come to grips with this in something in, in a real way and I'm not saying that there have not been people who've been valiant but there's a lot of a lot of blood has been spilled um, and it's time it's time to just deal with the it, deal with the issue correctly, and that's my viewpoint. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think yeah. we've talked about this uh, quite long enough. Uh, at Sean King, thank you for your tweet and thank you for your considered con con continued service to the country. I, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that uh, that Sean talks about that I agree with. There's a lot of things that I don't agree with, but I appreciate his presence, and uh, I'm happy that he puts provocative things out there like this, so idiots like me could respond to and then we could hack a radio station and talk about it. So what was your tweet this week, Tony? Well, 
mine had to deal with uh, the village of Kibis Gang because we are on WSQF FM 94.5 on your radio dial. And so we want to talk about some local issues. And in, in Kibis Gang, there's been a lot of Instagram chat about closing the village down because of COVID-19 and particularly against cyclists. And I know that the village police department actually has been stopping cyclists on weekends, but it's not a complete ban. They're only stopping people at certain times uh, in groups, not stopping on every path, only the main road, Crandon Boulevard, into the Key, but there are other ways to enter the village of Key Biscayne that they weren't stopping. And some of the discussions on um, the WhatsApp chat uh, have been somewhat odd. I just have to put it that way. I'm not sure I follow the logic of why there is a perception that cyclists are a major transmission vector for COVID-19. Okay, so this is is where... Uh, if you're if you're a cyclist, please uh, tweet Tony at Tony Winton and explain that. Um, and or if you're against this subject, if you want that, if you want to build that, w- oh no, you're not building a wall. Um, um, if you want to blockade cyclists from being on Keepers Gain, uh, yell at Tony as well at Tony Winton. But yeah, okay. So explain to me. You've got lots of people who are packed together in groups. I understand how they might be a vector to each other if they're riding closely and breathing heavily on or near each other but if they're on the street moving at 30 miles an hour i'm not well there's two things going on let's separate them out first them is the rational discussion about how this how this disease transmits what are the risky ways it does what are the less risky ways how does it how does it this is like basically math and science um there's now data coming out that even though there were Black Lives Matter protests all over the United States, including Key Biscayne, by the way, uh, that there's actually been very little attributable to the protests. Why? Well, a lot of people were wearing masks. Not everyone, but a lot were. And it was outdoors. And the the risky transmission areas seem to be indoors, as we are now, by the way. Don't worry, I'm way more than six feet. Oh, yeah, no, we are, we are we're so way distant. <laughs> Uh, we're, we have this great system where we have these microphones and cables and we can, we can look at each other, but we're, we're far, farther apart. The, uh, but there's, that's a rational discussion, right, about the, the, the math. The other part of it is this, what I would call the, uh, for lack of a better term, the fortress Key Biscayne attitude, uh, where in our particular community, and it's not a pleasant thing to talk about, some people seem to think that um, there is a desire to wall the island off from other people, bearing in mind, of course, that we have one of the most popular state parks at the tip of our island, uh, Bill Baggs Cape Florida State Park. Um, I believe it's like the second or third most popular park in the in state, the state of Florida. That's yeah. correct, yeah. Right, with the, with, the, uh, with the lighthouse and the wonderful beaches and fine restaurants and a harbor. No one's talking about stopping the boats from going to the harbor. It's just the cyclists who are driving down, who are coming down the road. It's a, uh, this idea that somehow we uh, in Key Biscayne shouldn't play nice with the other people around us doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, uh, certainly safety is important. So there's two things going on. I agree with you. There doesn't seem to be any evidence that people, cyclists, are spreading coronavirus. I just haven't seen that anywhere. Uh, there are listeners out there who have some scientific information about cyc- cyclists spreading coronavirus because of the act of cycling. Please let me know. Would you? Are you going to open that conversation up to uh, beaches as a whole or outdoor activities as a whole? Obviously, Florida just 
uh, Miami-Dade County announced that the beaches are going to be closed for the 4th of July weekend. Uh, Florida announced that uh, bars are closing down. You may not have an alcoholic drink at a bar. Um, these are different things that are, are that we're dealing with, and you know I think everybody's sort of blindly poking around to try to figure out how best to deal with COVID. Um, but your argument about outdoor activities, would you suggest that it's not just cyclists, but all outdoor outdoor activities should be within reason? Allowed. Um, unless there's a slow walker competition where the idea is to <laughs> crawl, I think that that's probably correct. So I think joggers, not a problem. So the loogie competition on Key Biscayne. You know, I, 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 I don't know. I suppose you can th you can think of outdoor activities where people are mostly stationary, like bocce. I mean, I don't think there are any courts there, but that's my, my understanding of the places I've seen it are just guys standing around having a few beers and pretending to exercise by rolling a little thing down a road. It's why, it's, by the way, it's why I don't live on Key Biscayne, because there are no bocce courts. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Oh, so, 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 I mean, but the sports with a question mark. Sports quote, yes. <laughs> All right, but back to cyclists. So what to do it's maybe it's not the cyclists cycling maybe it's the cyclists coming in droves to key biscayne and then stopping cycling and congregating at specific points oh you mean the the 7-eleven uh, I, I didn't want to call out any specific businesses i'm sure <laughs> well, that we, per, uh, well, i don't know the person who owns the 7-eleven they're probably a sweet part and you and you people on key biscayne should support your local businesses listen um, the subject of the Pelotons, as they're called, um, is, a, is a sore one. There's another debate going on about whether or not some $300,000 should be spent on extending the green paint on the side of the shoulder that creates a bicycle lane that's all equally odd as well. I, I, I guess I'm coming back to the point is the idea that we would assign village resources to basically turn cyclists away when we're not turning everybody else away um, is just misplaced. I I'm going to be nice. It's a misplaced effort when, when, when it, there's no evidence that that is an effective way of stopping transmission of a disease. The goal might be a good goal, but show me the, show me the data that says that cases. And in fact, the positivity rate in Key Biscayne is lower than the rest of Dade County. Dade County setting records, hospitalizations going up. Uh, there's growing concern of health professionals. So far, knock wood, I don't know. Can we knock on something here? I don't yeah, want to break your studio, Tom. <laughs> uh, okay, so so, uh, but but so far that hasn't happened. So to me, again, logic in social media. This is what this this show is about. I know what this is about. Okay, it's a cover. The the COVID bicycling argument is a cover. Um, very few people, with the notable exception of cyclists don't recognize that the folks who drive around on these $1,000 bicycles in their... $1,000. No, 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 no. That's a different community. This is Key Biscayne, buddy. <laughs> the $10,000. The $10,000 with their tights on and their gigantic bulging legs, and they do 20 miles an hour in the 40-mile-an-hour zone. Nobody's going to argue except the cyclists that they're annoying. They are annoying. I wish they would go away. Well, of course that's what it's about. <laughs> It's a smoke screen. And so why wouldn't we just say that? <sighs> yes, because 
Social media, as you say, is a rehearsal. It's a rehearsal <laughs> for some other argument about something else. So, oh, let's not spend money on a bike lane because a bike lane will encourage them. That's we great. really want them to go away. And this is a proxy <laughs> argument for something else. It is. Well, now, listen, I have no problem with bicyclists. I don't have to be any problem with the with the, the, the guys in the tights and all that other stuff. That's all fine. But what does annoy me is that there seems to be a hypocrisy. Either I'm going to treat you like a vehicle in which you get the whole lane and I just sit behind you and that's fine. Or I don't. If I'm going to treat you like a vehicle, you have to act like a vehicle, which means you have to stop at the stoplight. <laughs> you, you have to stop at the stop sign. You have to follow all of the laws of every other vehicle. Otherwise, you get your own lane. But if you get your own lane, you get your own lane. You don't get your own lane and my lane. That's my argument. Right. Well, listen, um, there was a fine article in the Miami Herald, I believe, just a week ago about how around the world, not just in, in the United States, but around the world, communities are embracing cycling like never before because of COVID-19. It is actually exploding. There are temporary bike lanes popping up, makeshift. They're converting parts of roads so that they can have and increase the, the safe areas for cyclists because the real story is cycling, particularly in Miami, is really dangerous, not for the motorists, for the cyclists. So the point is, why don't we use this opportunity to really do something that Miami has planned to do for years and never pulled the trigger on, which is building a safe and expanded network of cycling. Yes. Why not? All for it. By the way, if you happen to be somebody who is annoyed by cyclists, the answer is not to use your vehicle to in any way try to push them off the road. <laughs> that is stupid and wrong. Your fender bender, there's no such thing as a fender bender on a bicycle or a motorcycle. If you hit them, they die. And I have another question because now there's all these other devices, right? This is now actually, I think, oh yeah, you have the electric bikes, which have become popular. We have the scooters. Should they be used in the bike lanes? Mm -hmm. um, in Key Biscayne, and this will be another show, golf carts. Oh, the golf cart I, episode. You're gonna I think we should go live while we drive around Key Biscayne on a golf cart live and just talk about all the pet peeve uh, social media type things involving golf carts. Like, it's a nomination. Um, can I just ask a question? Because, you know, I, one of the things that amuses me about going on Key Biscayne is finding parking. Um, and golf carts parking in parking spaces confuses me a little bit. Yes, well... Uh, is there a law that says you can't put two golf carts in a single parking space even though they'll both fit? <laughs> Actually, there are an increasing number of golf cart only spots I'm all that for are it. labeled for golf carts. All for it. All for it. Yes, and all then when it. a car tries to park in them, you get the reverse <laughs> agitation again. <laughs> Listen, it's just another chat. I don't have it handy in front of me like we had with the with the cyclists. But if we're interested in that, we can. I'm sure there the golf carts, their their use in Key Biscayne are a, a topic and of of much discussion and much illogic. Okay, so um, what we're saying is let the let the bikers come on to Key Biscayne. Yes? Let the bikers come on to Key Biscayne. Are there any chief press? We think you're doing a terrific <laughs> job. There are other things you can do with your department. 
okay, but is there a bigger conversation to be had about people from not the key coming onto the key and congregating in areas? Because remember, the key, key might be a, a lovely, fresh, clean, COVID-free bubble, but everybody who comes onto the key may not be. Okay, okay but here's my point. Where's the data? Premise. Lots of here's a premise for an argument. Right, try no, this I again, radio list, radio audience. <laughs> premise: large numbers of cyclists represent a threat to the health of Key Biscayne. Why? Because they are coming in from outside. Do you have any facts to support that? No. That argument is then put aside until you have facts to support your argument. Now we move on to the next but, argument. Okay, but we, <laughs> but yes, the next, the expanded argument is why limit it to banning cyclists? Why not make every restaurant in Key Biscayne a locals only joint? We trust you to wear the mask. We have ordinances. Key Biscayne has its own ordinances about COVID. Right. And our ordinances are stricter and more comprehensive than perhaps those in other areas or they're taken more seriously than those in other areas don't you, you know, the chamber of commerce they're trying to get people to come to do you start game. getting into classism when it comes to covid response that's a very good question right because when you get into different areas of town we have people who are not taking the precautions as seriously some of them are doing it out of arrogance Others are doing it out of ignorance. How to deal with, and you're watching this go on right now on on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, I, I watch my feeds and see people on both sides of this. The people saying, look at this guy not wearing a mask, stretching in the park. Uh, and he's a terrible human being. And you see the other side of that is, look at this idiot in their car by themselves wearing a mask. It seems to me that the, uh, the social media universe is trying desperately to figure out where the boundaries but are on this, wearing masks or not masks. But this is so regional. We're doing this broadcast here in South Florida. This is a thing down here. I'm sure you've seen talk about antisocial. It's been viral the last couple of days. A Palm, the, This is the Palm Beach County meeting where people were getting up and yelling at the Palm Beach County Commission for passing a mandatory mask ordinance, which, by the way, went into effect yesterday in Key Biscayne. Masks are mandatory now in Key Biscayne. But that's a regional thing. The compliance rates in other parts of the country are much higher. Um, you And the, the reaction occasionally when people come, uh, there is less travel now, but people see what's happening down here and they compare it to how compliance is going in other parts of the country. People are shocked at it. What about somebody like you, Tony? I mean, you're sort of the anomaly. Where do you stand on not general population, general, you know, should everybody, what should the ordinances and be, but you've had COVID. I did. So you're somewhat bulletproof. <laughs> well, but that's not really, now here's the thing. You, you would think so, but actually I've consulted with my doctor and my doctor is saying there's really no guarantees. Uh, the way he put it was this, this doc, this virus is not following the normal rules. It doesn't oh, behave really? the normal rules. There's already a mutant out there, which is uh, which is spreading and apparently is even more. What's the right word? Catchable? No, infectious. That's the correct word. It's more infectious than the original COVID-19, and uh, there is concern that an immunity 
immunity for one version of COVID-19 might not translate over to the next one. It's not clear how long your immunity might last. Today, I donated plasma second time. Nice. Because that can help. There's real evidence that that helps people in convalescent therapy. But I don't know how, how whether that's still efficacious. They're going to give me a report after they process the blood. I'll get in a couple of days. Maybe we'll update our listeners next week and tell them whether or not I've still got the stuff. So when my I've got the juice, I'll give it. So when my antibody test comes back and it if it's positive, I shouldn't go running down the street naked singing singing. Uh, you should never run down the street naked in any case. <laughs> but you know, this is radio, so we can get with even you know, just listeners, just, this just is why you can fill hat. your mind, fill your mind, clean your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Me and just the power, Yankee hat. The power running. of imagination. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm guessing the, the kind folks of Key Biscayne wouldn't want that. <laughs> yeah. right. But again, this goes back to like everybody's poking around doing their best with the mask thing. Are you following the, uh, the, 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 the Oregon town? And the backlash on them. I'm going to read you this. This is from uh, the USA Today. The region of 50,000 on a quiet part of the Oregon coast became a target of anger after passing a directive that all residents wear masks indoors and outdoors, with a few exceptions, including for people of color worried about racial profiling and harassment due to wearing face masks. Now, obviously, the backlash was swift and sudden, and and people in that but town was, and outside. Can I, ask, that, can I ask what was the debate? Because that just didn't. That yes. Just, well, the, yeah. The debate was, you know, if you're in our town and you're black and you're wearing a mask, our cops are going to arrest you. <laughs> so you don't have to wear a mask. That way, you won't scare anybody. But did someone? Okay, but the mayor. The, the mayor. They passed this ordinance. I understand, but <laughs> what? What is the, what is the uh, <laughs> origin? What is the provenance of the oh. word? Some, did someone call the mayor and say, hey, this is happening. We have a problem. You have to do something. I mean, sometimes, you know, I just wonder, like, how did it get, how did it get started? Was this, was this like two guys talking at a bar? Because it's, I mean, or was there an actual incident where something happened and this was an effort to try and address well, a, a problem? A, here is the quote by the Lincoln County Board of Commissioners and County Management. We included the protections for those within our communities of color who historically and often personally found themselves the victims of harassment and violence. So, heart in the right place, but possibly the most racist thing I've heard this week. <laughs> California is thinking of deleting its anti-discrimination statute. I want to see the law where they say Middle Eastern men don't have to wear masks. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I'm assuming I'm less likely to transmit COVID than you. Um, it's completely illogical. It is attaching one set of thoughts and ideas into something where they don't belong. This is, I see this a lot on social media, where you take one idea, people of color get harassed, and, and they do. <clears throat> Therefore, let's not have them wear masks because, well, wait, are you trying to stop the spread of COVID or not? How is that? How do those two things, this is a fallacy, a logical fallacy. I know you love these. Yes. 
I have a poster hanging up at home <laughs> listing all of the diff different ones. I'll tell you what. You know what, Tony? What? I have a great idea. Yes. Um, I bought that poster. Okay. It is still in the shipping container, the tube. Okay. If anybody is actually listening, direct message Tony at Tony Winton on Twitter. Give him your address, and I will send you the poster. It is your free gift it's from a us. Free giveaway. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I know. I know. Uh, 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 Manny Cambo, who's graciously given us this time this afternoon from WSQF FM. Uh, I don't know how that works, but uh, but but we're, we'll handle it at this end. Don't worry about it, Manny. And and they are, the FEC takes them. FCC takes them off the air. No, 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 no. No, there's no. It's no payola. There's no. We're gonna. I know. There's all these FCC rules about that stuff. It's it's being done here. It's just if someone wants it, we've got. We're giving it. Away. All right, Tony, can we finish up this conversation? We've got about 10 minutes of airtime. Yes. Can we finish up the conversation on sort of the overarching theme of, of the show, which is how did we get here where what is said and done on social media carries so much more weight than traditional media? Uh, when did everybody's voice become equal to trained journalists' voice, and what impact has that had on how we discuss really sensitive topics or topics that are both local and national interest or things like statues or masks or cyclists or all of that? How did it happen? <clears throat> yeah, how do we get here? Like a lot of things, I think it was a, um, what's the expression, a hot gas expanding into a vacuum. There was a, there was a vacuum that this has filled. What could, what could something else have filled it? Yes. Was something else fitting it, filling it in the past? Yes. But this is, you know, like, like a lot of things, if you, if you, uh, water will run downhill, if you have a leaky roof, the water will find the hole wherever it is. It just won't miss the hole. It's the same concept. This is a a weakness, and this is this this energy or whatever you want to call it is expanding into that void. That's my view. Sure. Well, I I mean I think that what happened, in, if I look back at the start of my career in television, which is the mid '80s, you were watching a fundamental shift in how news was being covered. It was move news in the 500 channel universe in the multiple thousands of publications universe was starting to compete for ratings. And so they changed the format of news shows, of news publications to be glossier, to be more, you know, short sound bites, to capture and titillate. And what happened is they were competing well against entertainment shows because they were offering a more entertaining package. But people who wanted serious journalism were turning away. And the void was for solid, actionable information that's important to me. Uh, that's, I think, the void. Now, but that barn door is open. We're not getting the horses back in that barn door. But if you're somebody who's on social media, maybe we could start educating them on how to communicate in a better form rather than, here's my opinion and I'm right and you're wrong. Oh, oh, 
teaching every if everybody's going to be a journalist, let's teach them how to be journalists. Exa- exactly. But I, I, I'll, I mean, we're having this debate in society now. This is, I'm sure, we have a lot, a lot of other episodes about this. About should these platforms face some kind of regulation, whether it's official from the government or self-regulation, which seems to be happening now. The announcement that Facebook made just the other day. Some of the some of the alerts that that Twitter has been putting on various things. The real question is how. What what who's applying the standard and what standards are there? And as you just said, uh, people who grew, who are in an era or both in our fields, you know, spend a lot of time learning professional journalism standards. Uh, that's been discarded. Uh, and the issue is how can they? How can how do you get the cat? Is that the right expression? Yep. No. Okay. The cat back in the bag? No. Okay. <laughs> we, that doesn't sound we right. Don't want, I, don't, I don't want to put cats now, in bags. PETA is going to be calling. <laughs> no, no cats in bags. <laughs> the toothpaste okay. back into the tube. Right. How's that? There you go. There, that, that's much much safer. Thank you, Tom. Free the toothpaste. <laughs> I, will be getting, I will be getting T-shirts made that say, free the toothpaste, leave the cats alone. Yeah. <laughs> we will do that. Well, I mean, let me put this in perspective. Um, Google and Facebook control about 40% of the globe's ad revenue. Think through that. Advertising revenue is what has traditionally driven... Are you talking about advertising spending? No, revenue. uh, Facebook is an ad platform now. Right. You buy ads on Facebook, more than the ads, more than the space on Facebook. The data that Facebook collects on its users is actionable. Uh, I guess, Mike, let me ask the question a different way. Of all the dollars that are spent on advertising generally, from billboards to bumper stickers, what percentage of the total dollar spend is on social media? About 50%. It's now 50%. Yeah, so so 70% of that, 70% of all digital ad spending goes to Google and Facebook. And, oh, yeah, so of the 50... Yeah, 70%. Right, so, okay, got it, okay. All right. They've sucked the blood, the lifeblood in revenue, out of news industries. You know, remember when we started in our intros, you're the news guy, and I crossed over to the dark side? (laughs) (laughs) Only one of us is wearing a Yankees cap. Just remember that. (laughs) But, you know, it's because the news... The resources, the personnel, the the printing presses, uh, you know, the electric bill—that all has to get paid by some means, and the means traditionally is ad revenue. Seventy percent of digital ad revenue goes to Google and Facebook. Ninety percent in a in a Pew study recently, ninety percent of those surveyed said they get some or all of their news from social media. Yeah, that's that I've seen before. And that's been increasing every year. So how could they not be regulated like media? They act like media. They earn like media. You know, if it looks like a duck and talks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And this idea that they're going to self-regulate, come on. Isn't that Section 230? Is that what we're talking I about? Was, we... I was avoiding the, okay. because because my social media is going to fill up with hate mail if I actually use 230 as a thing. Well, you know, we could go 420, but it's a different kind of program. <laughs> After we talk about 230, <laughs> I'll be ready for 420. <laughs> 
we're never getting invited back. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't understand the I, I never understood the publishing exempt, exemption and and I think maybe people are finally having thoughts that wow this 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 thing that we were sold we need to open up this new technology and take off all these restrictions so people can be free to basically not be responsible maybe not such a good idea maybe they should be subject to the ordinary laws of libel and defamation that I as a journalist that that advertisers Absolutely. have, have responsibility responsibilities and all the other things why what maybe this idea really wasn't such a good idea and i mean in my business not only do i get sued right my client gets sued too so for facebook and twitter and instagram to say no 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 that post was by tony winton we had nothing to do with it we just let it go Right. We just, we just, we just, they're just using our space to show it to you. Correct. We're not, we're not to blame. Correct. This opens up a whole can of worms now about when they start self-policing. Are they really self-policing or are they censoring wide swaths of opinions that aren't breaking any laws they just don't like? And how does it happen when people users are encouraged to report a post how does that process work what i mean etc it's the star chamber it's some invisible panel of people you don't know operating on rules that we can't see making decisions that you'll never know about because the post got taken down um it it is an industry in desperate need of policies and standards the same types of policies and standards that every media organization has to follow. Well, how long, since you're the advertising person, how long will this boycott? And apparently it has some traction. I've got some major companies that are holding some dollars back from uh, from Facebook. I think Coca-Cola said they're not going to advertise. Uh, and uh, there's some other larger, larger um, big Unilever is the biggest. Yeah, Unilever. These are people who are what everything from soap to, I don't know, razor blades, whatever, whatever they, whatever that company makes, consumer products. No, yeah, no, no. They're they're, they have thousands and they're 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 a house of brands. Right. So they have thousands and thousands of sub brands all over the globe. Their ad spend, uh, their digital ad spend, is monstrous. And when I say monstrous, it's in the billions. So for them to say, yeah, okay, we're not giving that to Facebook. The question is, and this is a game that we need to sort of maybe peel back, is when they say they're not going to advertise on Facebook, most of the ad revenue that Facebook garners for advertising isn't for ads on their platform. They sell the data on their users so advertisers like me can track you everywhere you go on the internet and serve you ads you don't look at anyway. (laughs) But that's what Facebook is really selling. Uh, The ads on the Facebook platform are only a slim, slim slice of that pie. Right. And it, and and on WhatsApp, again, for the favorite platform in Key Biscayne, the ad the, the monetization is not going to involve ads, apparently. They're going to just use it use it for money transfer. Oh interesting. Yeah. That's just, an interesting method. Yeah, they're just going to use it. Uh, Facebook is you can already send people money through Facebook like you can through a bunch of other Venmo and a bunch of other services. There the the plan apparently is to be able to use that for um, just paying people and they'll make their small number of pennies on that and leave it leave it ad 
free. We'll just have all the illogical chats. <laughs> we'll get rid of the annoying advertising, but keep the annoying conversations. <laughs> well, we're, we're almost out of time for our very first episode of uh, this antisocial broadcast. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we'll hope to get you next time. And we're going to be making this a podcast. We'll be letting people know that it's up in case you want to hear it later. My name is Tony Winton. I'm Tom Mosloom. Thank you guys for tuning in. I know this was a bit crude. It was our very first podcast, uh, show, broadcast, all that. We're combining it all. Uh, I promise that I uh, will learn from my mistakes and I won't break anything next time. Well, yes, and maybe we'll have some we'll have some fancy things like sound effects and all kinds of other cool things we can do for maybe, radio. Maybe we'll even have guests. Guests, call-ins. We're trying to really explore the platform. But yep, open to your suggestions. Yes, and again, I'm at Tony Winton on Twitter. Send me a direct message. Happy to take suggestions. If you have uh, an idea for a future show, love to hear it. And I am at Mosloom, M-O-Z-L-O-O-M. Well, thank you for listening, and we're going to return our program now back to the FM 94.5. You will always be my friend.